Hello and welcome to episode 78 of the Red Unrestricted podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Bloxham, and I'm joined by David Comerford, as ever, for our Community Shield preview. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. I keep wanting to say charity. It is always Charity Shield in my mind. Um, Anyway, we're obviously going to preview our game against Manchester City, in which we do play in the Community Shield. It's kind of like a pre-game leading up to the the Premier League, which is obviously next week. Um, So I'll bring in David for our first question, and that is... Uh, where does this game rank in terms of importance? Uh, is it a game that obviously we all want to win as Liverpool fans, but is it a game that you really care about if you do if you do lose? I mean, it's not for me like the kind of situation with the Champions League where I can't think of it really because it it'll do me head in. Where in a week's time, whether we've won it or not, I'll probably forget about it. Well, to be fair, like it's it's one of them where say, you know, the game will be over at about seven o'clock on Saturday. I reckon if we've lost, I'll probably be over it by sort of 10, 10 o'clock on Saturday night, 11 o'clock. Certainly Sunday morning, it's not really going to be a concern for me. And if we win, like it's nice and like you'll be scrolling through social media and you'll see the, the photos of the players um with the trophy. Uh, and, you know, it'll be a nice like, you know, boost going into the season. But again, I don't think at any moment during the season, you're going to look back on something that's happened in the community shield. I think as soon as the final whistle goes, realistically, it's just done in terms of significance. Um, and as a sort of fixture, um, I actually would say that if you compare it to like comparable games, so the UEFA Super Cup, for example, when we played that against Chelsea um, in 2019, um, that was... I'd say I was I cared more about that. Like during that game and stuff, like I was quite emotionally invested in that one. That felt like a bigger deal. It's obviously a shame that we're not in that game this year. Um and also the Club World Cup too. Um, which again is it's kind of like a globalized version of this competition away in terms of bringing trophy winners together for like an ultimate composition, really. Um I'd say that that too was a lot better than this. And it was interesting to hear what Klopp said um in his press conference about this game um because he he reckons that if you move it later into the season like they do in some other countries like i think in spain i want to say they were playing it sort of around like in the winter last year um or if the the teams who are in the community shield um if they don't have to play the first round of the carabao cup for example then i i think you know he thinks that would be better certainly in terms of managing fatigue but and that's what they do um, in German football, apparently, which is why he was talking about it. But it was interesting, really. It's not something I've like heard from like um, from Klopp or or a coach before, really. I don't think. But if you actually want to increase the significance of the fixture, I think actually playing it during the season could be a good idea because what you have now, and I think that's really the angle that you you were sort of taking with your question, Chloe, is it feels like an extension of preseason as opposed to the first trophy that's up for grabs in the actual season. Like, it's kind of in this limbo. If this game was played, say, around Christmas time, obviously that can't happen this year, but, you know, generally speaking, then maybe you care about it more. And maybe if there's, like, a semi-finals and final setup, which wouldn't surprise me in the future because there's more money to be made in that, 
again, there might be more sort of investment in it. But yeah, right now, like I say, it feels like the culmination of preseason to me, um, which is weird because we've actually got another friendly after it. But it feels like that as opposed to, you know, really launching in um, to the competitive action. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, you mentioned they're moving it in season. I think the problem with that is, um, um, you, you touched on it there, you mentioned obviously the Super Cup um, and the Club World Cup. Those are actually, um, they're, they're trophies that count on your champion's wall. Um, they are major trophies. The Community Shield is not a major trophy. Um, no matter how many times United would like to say they're, you know, above us, uh, for the most decorated football club in England, because they've got so many of these, it's not actually counted towards your major your major trophies. So having it in the middle of a season, I think just do me head in if it's not a major trophy, because what is the point? And you know, think of how many games we have to play now anyway to then add that into it when it's not it, at least your FA cups, your Carabao cups, obviously they're um, they major trophies. So for me, and and I'll bring you back in on this. Do, do you count it as a trophy? I mean, it'd be nice for obviously Jürgen to say, oh yeah, I've won, you know, I've won that. We can look back on the trophies he's won. But it's not it's not even the likes of an FA Cup or a Carabao Cup to me because it doesn't have the weight of saying, oh, that's a major trophy. You can add it to your wall of champions. Yeah, I agree with you, to be honest. And for me, what it comes down to is, you know, if you, I think you're kind of thinking about it in terms of like the honours list perspective. Um, that a club would have and I think that's definitely one way you can look at it and, and another way is like if a player scores say if Darwin Nunez scores a couple of goals on Saturday um, then I'm not going to add two to, to Nunez's kind of full season total I'm not going to say if he gets 28 during the season I'm not going to say oh he scored 30 goals last season I think that would be a bit of a, a piss take to be honest to, to include th- those numbers so if the numbers don't count towards records then it feels like a friendly from that point of view, um, I think that that for me um, is what kind of knocks it down. But um, you know, in terms of like emotional investment, though, I do think there is still quite a lot of there's a decent amount of stock placed in it. Like um, you know, we, we were talking about the 2019 game um, when we played Man City again. So it's obviously I think the second time we've met them in this fixture, and and that game. I remember the second half, Liverpool played really, really well, but couldn't actually find a way to score. I think they had a shot cleared off the line, might have hit the post too. And I was I was quite sort of frustrated and exasperated watching it because like I wanted that reward for the performance and it would have been quite satisfying, I think. Um, and then we were in it again a year later against Arsenal. Um, and that one was was annoying too, um, I'd say, to, to lose that on penalties because I guess it, it was different in that way because we were kind of... We were coming into that game as the champions, so we felt like the favourites with this one. For example, it's like more level foot. And so I think 2020 was frustrating because it was it felt like a missed opportunity. This one, you know, you're not really going to be too bothered either way. It's probably it's probably close to a flip of a coin, a sort of 55-45 job in terms of who wins. Um, so you know, it would be it would be nice to win and sort of get one over or get kind of half over on, on Man City before the new season. But I think in terms of one sort of statistically, technically speaking, it's not really a trophy. And it's, I think the thing that sums it up really is what I said. It's an annoyance if you lose and it's just nice if you win really. But again, like I said earlier, not something you're going to think about for more than sort of 24 hours afterwards at most. 
Yeah, I think it being Manchester City will make us all more invested than we ever were with any other team at this moment because you know to win the league you're going to have to beat Manchester City um, and it'd be, it'll be nice to not just have one even on them but to we, we obviously know how they play but they've got Erling Haaland they've got a few new signings Calvin Phillips it'll be good to see the way they line up and the way they play because there are some tweaks there that they will have to do you know They've not been playing with an out and out striker and now. They've just signed Erling Haaland and Alvarez, who are both strikers. Um, you know, they've they've sold Raheem Sterling, um, who for me was a was a major part of, of that city team. You've got Red Rid of Gabriel Jesus, who did pop up with contributions there for them. So it'll be good to suss them out, see where they are, um, see how they're adapting and, and maybe if they've got not a new style but a tweak to the style like they already had to maybe fit Erling Haaland in properly. Um, and like I said, with, with Liverpool, we all want them to win. So we're all going to be investors. Um, it is, it's a trophy that you're going to end up picking up, but it, it's one of those where like, I, in the end, you're not really going to be bothered if you lose. Um, you can probably just switch your mind off from it where any other competition you probably can't do. You'd be frustrated. You'd be thinking about it for a couple of days. Um, with this, I think it's a case of it is more like a pre-season friendly. I mean, this Jürgen Klopp has mentioned in, in his press conference recently as well um, that this is going to be the first time that these lads have got 90 minutes in them. So you're also taking the fact that we've got a, a shorter pre-season than a lot of people because of this community shield. And these players are going to be playing 90 minutes for the first time. It's going to be up against Manchester City. Um, so you've, you've got to take some things with a, with a pinch of salt. Uh, we did mention Erling Haaland there. I'm interested to see what you think. I mean, do you think he'll start to begin with? I, I, I'm, I'm humming and ahhing over whether he'll actually start or, or you know, whether they go with a, a different strategy. I know he's, he's scored already for them in pre-season. Um, and, you know, if he does start, who who do you think he's going to bully most? Because obviously it'd be obviously very good of him not to go for Virgil van Dijk because we know Virgil van Dijk is. But there is question marks over our centre-half partnership because Matip came on uh, in, against Salzburg with only 30 minutes to go. So Canate got 60, which makes me think that Matip is going to be the one alongside Virgil van Dijk. What do you think? And, how do you see the the lineup against Erlen Haaland and our defence going? Well, I mean, just to first of all come back to the thing about um, sort of for the first time playing ninety minutes because I think it's a really good point. Like City are coming into this game, they've only played two friendlies. Um, I think Liverpool have played is it four now that that we've had um, with the sort of so we had United, yeah. um, United, United Palace, Palace, Leipzig, Leipzig, Salzburg. Salzburg. Yeah, so we've got kind of double the amount of minutes, although obviously it varies from player to player. Um, so I think both managers are going to be looking at that element of it too, in terms of you know, in terms of a fitness exercise, playing against Liverpool or playing against Man City is kind of as good as you're going to get, really. Um, so that's kind of useful for them as well. So that's an element of it. Um, coming on to Haaland, uh, I'm not sure if he's going to start. I think... He might come off the bench, to be honest. If I, if I had to say, that would be my guess. He started the other day when he, when he scored against uh, Bayern. But with this being a semi-competitive game, I do wonder if Guardiola will kind of just throw him on for like the last 30 minutes and stuff where obviously, you know, he, he can be 
effective. And it will be interesting to see because we obviously have really, you know, a trend that's that's emerged where the striker for the other team, almost regardless of how good they are, slightly runs away from Virgil van Dijk and like will go to like quite great lengths to avoid being engaged in a duel with him. So it'd be interesting to see whether Haaland, someone who's got kind of his level of of confidence and ability, whether he kind of follows along those lines. Like I was looking at some with this being like the first matchup really between Haaland at Man City and and Van Dijk and, and whoever his defensive partner may be. Um, I was looking at some of the things they'd said about Shudder in the past because obviously there, there were some um, questions that got asked and um, Van Dijk's, um, sorry, Haaland said about Van Dijk that, you know, he said, you know how tall he is, you know how strong he is, how fast he is and his timing is also crazy. And then he goes, I don't think I won a single duel against him because he's a physical monster. So then when you read a quote like that, you're thinking, is he maybe actually going to gravitate towards um, the other centre-back? And I think it's really interesting, you know, to touch on that, like a physical matchup between the two of them because they are both so fast and, and they are both, you know, such a you know a huge physical presence, really. That 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 element of it's interesting as well as obviously the battle of of wits that'll be going on um, between the two players. So obviously Van Dyke's been complimentary too. I think he said Harlan's one of the toughest opponents he's faced. So it kind of is the opening chapter in, in what I think will be kind of a prolonged sequence of Harlan's obviously battles with Van Dyke on one hand and battles with um, whoever plays alongside him. But also, obviously, you've got this narrative that'll inevitably develop of Haaland and, and Nunez as like the, the new number nines at these two teams. Um, and it could actually be the case that both of them are coming off the bench for this game, like you say. So maybe this is kind of the the unofficial start of that uh, for that reason. In terms of the defensive partner question, um, I think I'd agree with you based on the, the quantity of minutes and the fact that you had the partnership yesterday. Uh, between Van Dijk and Matip. I would have thought Matip will start this game, but I'm intrigued to know what, what you think about this. Do you think Matip starting this game when both players are presumably like fully fit, is that an indication to you that you know Klopp's actually going to stick with Matip in like the Premier League and maybe it'll be something similar to last season where Canate essentially plays the, the Cup and Champions League games? Um, yeah, I think potentially, I mean, for me, if who who do I want up against Haaland? It would be Canate and Van Dijk because I think Canate could maybe do better because Haaland's a very physical man. He's not just fast. He's not just a great finisher, but he's big um, and he can bully it. And I think maybe, even though Matic's brilliant, Canate's a unit. I think it's harder to get past Canate than it than it potentially is to get past Matic in terms of foot race. Um I think the question I have around it is we've got so many games now because obviously of the World Cup, all the Champions League things get squished into this little area. And we I think we'll just see the the same as what happened last season where if you've got three games a, a week, Matip's not playing all three of them. Um and I mean, Joe Gomez is, is probably feeling that he is not being talked about. I don't think he has had a brilliant preseason. I don't think he's shone. Um, but he has signed a new a new contract, which means obviously he's going to be staying longer. So maybe he is in there as well. Um, but for me, if if I was picking it, well now 
Um, I'd, I'd want Canate and Virgil van Dijk as my two centre-halves. I just, something, because of Canate's youth, youthfulness, I think maybe he's more prone to um, making an error or doing something, you know, stupid accidentally. Um which maybe that's what Jürgen Klopp's going with. Maybe he's going with experience because um, even though, obviously, this is classed as technically a pre-season friendly, um, it is a team in terms of Man City that you're going to have to beat in pretty much every competition to win anything. Um, so I, I think it's I think it's very interesting. I'd, I'd personally go for Canate at this moment in time because he was the, the player that went up against... Um, your big physical players in the Champions League and I, I deem Erling Haaland as a very physical player um, so I, I mean I, I don't know what you think about that um, but I mean I'll come back to you because you can tell me in your uh, predicted or preferred lineup. Um, obviously Alisson is not available for this one so I obviously I have a feeling who you're going to go with in goal but give us your starting 11 for this game Alright so Adrian, obviously the keeper. It's a shame um, about Keller getting injured, you know, at the exact same time um, as Allison. Obviously, the good news is it looks like Allison's going to be back for Fulham, uh, but a shame, I guess, almost from a personal point of view, um, that Keller is not going to be able to play because it's a you know a decent sized game for him to play in, um, and you know, obviously Adrian being third choice is an ideal, especially against a team of this quality who are going to have quite a lot of shots against us. Um, but in terms of defensive lineup, I've gone with uh, obviously Trent and Robbo as the fullbacks. Um, I think Simakas had a bit of an injury the other day as well, so maybe you want to keep an eye on there. But it looked, it looked quite minor. Defensive partnership, I went with Kanate too, uh, alongside Van Dijk. And I mean, like you, I agree that it's a very marginal call between between the two players because they're both very high level centre backs. Um, and it's going to be interesting across the season as a whole because. What we all know that Kanate is, is the long term option, and he, he is a success at almost, and he's the man really that the defense is probably going to be built around, um, going forward with Van Dyke and Massive kind of getting on a little bit now. Um, so it's interesting is that transition really to him being same playing more games, um, going to happen this season, or is it going to be similar to last season with him still being quite young? The thing that makes me, I mean. The physical thing is definitely a factor. I think he's he's stronger than Massif. I think Massif can hold his own for the most part against physical opponents. Um, but the thing that really is compelling for me is that if you bring in Joel Matip, say Matip's the one playing one game out of three as opposed to Kanate, I think Massif has shown that he can come in from the cold and produce a top-level performance. Um, Kanate potentially can do that as well, but I have that kind of faith in Matip, that a level of rustiness isn't going to be um, a factor for him. So that's why I'm kind of comfortable um, if if Klopp does move towards Kanate. But again, it's such a marginal call that I don't think it's I don't think it's a make or break call necessarily over the course of the season, to be honest. Um, but we'll see. Midfield, Fabinho and Thiago are locks. I've gone with Keita for the third uh, position. They only actually started four games together last season, as far as I know. Um, with Henderson being the preferred option there. I would like to see this midfield tried a bit more. I think there's been promising signs from it, as well as some not not so promising signs, admittedly, like the game against Villarreal. But I think in terms of balance, it might be the best one we have um, overall. But again, 
it kind of has to be seen more um, on a consistent basis. And this is a good chance to experiment, I'd say. High-level opposition, but also not too much riding on it. So I'd like to see that um, again, though we might not. Um, and front line, which is another issue. It seems like there's going to be a few sort of selection question marks this season. Um, Salah and Diaz on the two wings. Obviously, Jota is injured, so he's not in contention for this one. Um, and I've gone with Nunez as my striker. And I don't think he will play, but the reason I would play him personally, if it was down to me, is that I want him to get used to his new teammates. And I think the best chance of doing that is in a competitive environment. And the fact that he's been playing with the sort of second string in recent games, I don't think is a perfect scenario. I want him to be, certainly with Mo Salah, for example, because that's a hugely important partnership. I want them to have the chance to gel. They can do it on the training pitch, obviously, but I think it's much better to do it in a match environment. And to be honest, this version of Bobby Firmino, I don't think is is kind of close to the play we saw at his peak either. So I'm kind of happy to have to have Nunez in there um, from the off, but I guess that, that that's something we'll discuss. So what do you reckon on, I guess, obviously you said about Canase being your preference, but what about the midfield and, and the centre-forward position for this game? Um, my midfield, I do not think Kate has done enough in pre-season. I was watching him and Curtis Jones in Salzburg, and that's just one game. Um, but Kate was, was your most experienced A in the midfield, but pretty much within your top six of, of that team. And he just didn't offer me enough. Um, and I, I, I know in the semi-final um, of the FA Cup, they played really well together, but I just don't see how you can drop your captain for this one. I, I don't think you're going to drop your captain for this one. I also was really impressed with Henderson when he came on against Salzburg. Um, his overlapping runs, which Keita doesn't do uh, down that right-hand side, um, was really, really helpful for Mo Salah. There was loads of space there. Um, so I'd, I'd swap you Keita for, for Jordan Henderson for me and I'd play Bobby Firmino instead of Nunes. Um and my reason for this is I've been thinking about this all weekend and I can't figure out what way to go. But this to me is a pre-season friendly and Nunes is your new striker. Nunes is the thing that you've got to adapt to. So we won't change our entire style, but we almost defo play slightly different. It's got to happen because it's the first time we've had an out and out number nine. It's, our, it's, it's an out and out striker we're going to play with. I would not give Manchester City the advantage to figure that out in a pre-season friendly and figure out how we play. So when we play in the actual Premier League, because we might have to play Man City four times this season across different competitions, maybe even five times. Um, and I'd like them to, you know, the first one's going to be the, the Premier League. I'd like them to in-game have to adapt and maybe struggle to the way we play Darwin Nunes and have to figure it out as you go along um, and then make mistakes rather than them getting a look in a pre-season friendly. And then when it comes to playing us, they know that they can play a certain way and they know they can stop us. I understand when Nunes comes in and plays another Premier League games, they'll have... Obviously, they'll look at the tapes and they'll analyse it and they'll tell the players what they need to do and they'll put you know, tactics there for us to not play to Nunez's strengths. But it's one thing tactically, you know, doing, you know, tactically setting that up. It's another actually versing them and having to play what's right in front of you, which those defenders will have to play, or even behind you, because we know Darwin Nunez runs off the shoulder. 
And I don't think you give away that in a pre-season friendly when you literally are going to have to take four points off Manchester City in two games to win the league. Uh, that's just what it feels like. Um, saying that, this is where I've struggled, saying that, Bobby is not going to give you 90 minutes, I don't think. I don't think he's going to play the entire the entire game. So I feel like Nunes is probably going to play at least 20, which therefore means, well, he's already got 20 minutes of shutting him out, so maybe that'll be enough for Pep Guardiola and his team. Um, but I'm going to go with Bobby on the basis of, uh, don't give away, you keep keep your, your cards close to your chest, don't give away um, your, your, little, your little situations that actually might give you uh, an extra point or an extra three points in the league when you come up to face in Manchester City. Um, the the unknown to them and unknown of how he'll actually play against them, um, That that's what I want them to sort out in a game in the Premier League where it's going to actually be hard for them to get it to the players, for the players to then adapt. Um, I don't want them to be able to, to ha- you know, have a basis to go off and, and say, look, this is what you've done once, this is what you need to do again. Um, so for me, Bobby Firmino starts and uh, Jordan Henderson starts, of course. I mean, I, I don't know what you think on that Nunes one. Maybe I'm thinking too far ahead. Um, I also, I think it's also a point of Nunes. There's going to be so much pressure on him to score against Manchester City, where if he, if he plays at Anfield against Strasbourg, you know, He's got the weight off his shoulders. He's surrounded by a crowd that's going to absolutely adore him. Give him that environment and then say, OK, play Fulham. You, you know, you'll have that in the away and go and play Fulham. You can see you loved, feed off it. Um, may, maybe that's a, another thing. What do you think? Do you think, I mean, sometimes obviously pressure makes diamonds. Maybe he is a, a player that can play under extreme pressure. I just think every single thing he does against Manchester City will be analysed to like the the tenth degree. It'll be ridiculous. I mean, to start with the pressure thing, I'm not sure about how he'll respond to that, and it's partly because we just don't really know yet. Like he's still obviously a new option for us, but being so young and the way he. I mean, I'm reading a lot into one word tweet here, I accept it, but the way he engaged already with sort of online critics, which we spoke about a lot, obviously, in our last episode, makes me think that he maybe is conscious of the pressure. Um, and that is certainly something I think that has to come into your thinking in terms of the sort of keeping your cards close to your chest elements as well. I think that's potentially something that they think about. And it's interesting because these two teams are evolving this season and it's title race could come down to who sort of adapts best really um that could be a consideration in terms of you do you do you don't want to kind of set your stall out fully um at the start i think with nunez like based on pre-season and like i said before not being played within that strongest team it looks like he might not actually be starting against fulham and maybe in those first few games i wouldn't be surprised if his debut came against, you know, in the first round of the Carabao Cup, like his full debut, obviously, like he'll come off the bench, I'm sure. But if he played first round of the Carabao Cup or the first Champions League group game, for example, I, yeah, I think that might be the way Cop's going with it. And it would be a surprise in the sense that he could cost 85 million and so the most expensive player ever in our, in our history, certainly. 
So you think, you know, he walks right into the side. But, you know, we've seen him in the past with Fabinho and Robertson. I think are probably the two high-profile high examples. He's held those players back till, I want to say, sort of like October, November time, really, before they come into the side and then they nail down their place. Um, and we might see something similar with that here. Um, and obviously, you've got some players who can just, you know, come straight in and thrive, like Luis Diaz, um, for example, who I think played straight off the bat in the Premier League. Um, so... It, his policy does seem to kind of vary from one player to the other. I think Klopp does have a lot of patience with Nunez, not just this season, but beyond that because of how young he is. And he thinks the signing should be judged rightly over a long period of time. So he might not be straight into the team. And I think the the aspect of limit and pressure is to come back to that is quite important because I think the Strasbourg guy sort of plan could be quite a good one and certainly that is in the backdrop as we, as we pick this team pretty much everyone who, who doesn't start this game or who doesn't play that many minutes will probably play on Sunday at Anfield and I think that could be a better preparation for certain players um, ahead of the new season so I think there's there's that side of it too and if you ease him in and if he's only gradually coming to the side I think that sort of makes the spotlight a bit a bit less intense for him. Whereas if he's, say if he, he plays um, on Saturday and he plays against Fulham and he doesn't score any of the game, then I think already, because of the nature of the football media, and we've seen glimpses of this too, and already there's going to be initial questions getting asked by certain people. Whereas if he's only coming off the bench, then I think it almost just goes under the radar a bit and that could work quite nicely. Um, and the last thing I'd say on that is... It's something we've mentioned a few times in this podcast. With the style of the team changing so much, Klopp mentioned after the game against uh, Salzburg, he said the players need to get closer to Nunez and and you know make sure he's not isolated. And that is really an insight. I think the first clear insight we've got of the kind of adjustment process that's going to need to go on. And does Klopp think that it's easier to go with them? You know, someone who is really identifiable with the style of this team and, and someone he, he think he called like our heart and soul or something like that. Does he go with that familiarity, that continuity at the start and then and then sort of have that gradual transition over the course of like maybe the first half of the season as opposed to just doing it off the back of the summer. So plenty of elements behind that decision um, and we'll see what he goes with. But it's it's certainly pointing towards being, uh, being Firmino. Um, and I do realise as well, actually, I've just given about five different reasons to hold Nunez back having previously said that I'd start him um, on Saturday as well. So I'm very inconsistent <laughs> with that one. Uh, no, but I think the other major factor in this is Diogo Shota because I think Nunes is under pressure no matter what now and the easing him in might not be as easy as we all think because if Bobby Firmino is not getting the goals or not, you know, th- there was times last season, yeah, he was injured, but when he came in, he wasn't exactly the creative spark that we've seen. He wasn't the old Bobby Firmino. And if Bobby Firmino is not playing well, you're going to have to put Nunes in because you've got to change something up. Um, he is your £85 million striker. You don't have Jota, who was arguably one of our best players up there with Mohamed Salah in the first half of the season last year. So I, I think Jota and how long his injury is also a massive factor in this because we might not even have time to, God forbid, you know, Bobby Firmino got injured, then it very much is Nunes. You've got to, every week in, week out, show up. 
Um, and I think that's the other problem we've got there. I don't know what you think. Do you think it's a, it's a good case to ease them in? I mean, you listed about five reasons why it's good, but thinking of the looming in the background and, you know, Jota, the fact that there's not even been a time scale put on him and when he'd be back is a bit concerning to me because no one's, it's just, it's a very unfortunate injury, a reoccurring one, which I'm, I'm a bit concerned that once he does come back, if he does it again, he's out for another however many weeks. Do you think Jota's injury means that we're not going to have time to ease him in? That's a very good point, actually. It's probably something that I should have mentioned myself. Um, and I think what you say about it being a recurring injury makes it more worrying. I think in terms of how long he'll be out for, probably extends the layoff. And also, like, with him, sort of, I think he came back into a trading session and then he, he was kind of, like, gone before the end of that session, really. The injury had come back. I think Liverpool will be so cautious this time in terms of building up the, the load that they put on him that we might not actually see him for quite a while. Um, and then that leaves you, if you do want to ease Nunez into the side with a Salah, Firmino, Diaz front three, which is strong. But based on last season, are there enough goals in that front three and are there enough goals in the team? Because obviously you've got Salah and you know he's going to give you, he's going to give you sort of pushing towards 30 over the course of the season. He's that calibre of, of forward in terms of his output. But then you've got Firmino. He only got 10 last season, I think, around that. Didn't play that much, but realistically, that is about where he is now in terms of how many goals he could give you. And Diaz, and he's a question mark. It's like, how many is he going to score? Like, with it being his first full season, do we now see him start to push towards those kind of Sadio Mane, Diogo Jota goal scoring numbers? Or is he the kind of winger who doesn't, you know, I think his performance levels are outstanding, but does he maybe not get the same volume of goal contributions? Um, So he only scored, I think, about six goals. Uh, last season, uh, albeit only in half a season, so you got to kind of judge it from that point of view. Can he kind of pick up a bit of goal scoring slack if you've got that? Whereas if you put Nunez in the side, yes, maybe there are going to be season problems, but I'm confident that if you give him opportunities, like we saw against Leipzig, um, that he will put them away still. Um, so maybe from that point of view, because we know that in the Liverpool team, the front three are the goal getters. There's no real goal getters in the midfield, so you need the front three to have you know, maybe not just Salah um, as as a major goal scoring threat. Um, so I think that's that's a consideration too, to be fair. And Jota maybe does change it because we know, like Nunez, he is someone who could walk into the side and and has that awareness and could just sort of bang them in as as, as a kind of poacher. Yeah, a hundred percent. So it's something that we're obviously going to have to find out through the season as it goes on, um, because we did get rid of Sadio Mane, who was you know, a guaranteed 20-goal player a season. And obviously, um, he asked to leave, so we, we didn't really have a choice. There's no point in having an un- unhappy player who doesn't want to play for you in, in your squad. And I feel like we've, you know, we've done well with getting Diaz, but I'm not too sure he's at the goal contribution that Sadio Mane was at. Um, but speaking about just the Community Shield, I'll come back to you finally for your score prediction for this game, David. What are you going for? Um, based on the fact that City haven't played much football, I think they've had slow starts the past couple of seasons. I'll bank on that and I'll say Liverpool will win by one goal. Uh, I think both teams will score though, so I'll say 2-1 to us. Yeah, I was going to go with a 2-1, but now you've said it, I'm going to 
have to change it and go for a 3-2 to Liverpool. Um, I, I think tomorrow, uh, tomorrow, I think Saturday, it'll be good to see where we are in terms of fitness and in terms of muscle memory. Uh, I think Jürgen Klopp mentioned it in his press conference today that, you know, training is vital and they don't get to train enough throughout the season because games come thick and fast and you've got to rest your players in between that and try and recover. Um, so hopefully, you know, the the he said the best way to learn these kinds of, you know, situations is to be on a football pitch and actually be put in them situations and just happen to adapt. Um, but hopefully, you know, Liverpool come the end of this weekend will be holding a massive 50p um, and, you know, it's not a major trophy. It's not going to go up on the wall of champions, but it would be a really nice way to start at the beginning of a season. A, a season that is hopefully going to be another magical one for Jürgen and his Reds. Um, please do give this uh, well podcast a five-star review on Spotify or any other uh, podcast platforms that you might be listening to um, about this on. So, uh, yeah, that is it for the Community Shield. But obviously, it gets even bigger next weekend when the Premier League starts. Uh, We will have, obviously, more episodes coming up. We've got a two-part season preview next week where we'll speak to fans of other teams and make our predictions. And obviously, the season then begins and we're back in full flow. Um, Every single week, we'll be looking ahead and looking back on results Hopefully, it's another brilliant uh, season for the Reds. Hopefully, we pick up some more trophies. So, obviously, do continue to join us for the ride. Until next week's episode, up the Reds.